442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm Andy Jackson, publisher, sitting in for Paul Hansford, who is uh, still beavering away over his last ever issue of the magazine. Uh, we go to press today with our uh, Socceroos special that's on sale on June the 2nd, so uh, all hands to the pump, apart from Trev, who's joining me for the podcast, <laughs> deserting his post and <laughs> leaving Paul to it. For the pod. And uh, I'm also joined by a returning Aidan Ormond. Uh, who joins us back from his European sojourn. Uh, yes. Aino, welcome back, mate. It's good to be back. Um, tell us a bit about the trip, who you caught up with. Yeah, caught up with uh, Nathan Burns in uh, Greece, uh, playing in the second division there. Had a great time with Nathan. Uh, they've just got promoted. So uh, actually uh, ended up on the pitch at the end of the game when they got promoted. So. And then on the piss after the game. It's amazing what an A-League media pass will get you in Greece. <laughs> really? Yes, the access it'll get you. <laughs> Um, and then uh, headed to Italy. For How is he? How is he doing? Is he, terrific. Is he permanently with this club, or is he no, online? No, he's online from AIC Athens. Yep. Um, he scored uh, when I left. He scored almost ten goals for the season. Um, so he's playing every game, and that's what he wanted. Um, so he's due to go back to AIC in the off season, uh, and then take it from there. So uh, Corfu has been promoted. So. Yeah, hung out with uh, Nathan, had a great time. Worst with place him. in the world to live. Than yes, yes, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and just getting an insight into Greek football is very, uh, you know, really opened my eyes to what it's like being over there for a footballer. Um, and then for a change of scenery, the Coppa Italia on the Wednesday night, uh, Roma versus Inter, uh, which was very interesting. Yeah, um, so spent a few days in Rome. Was that when Totti yeah. did he got sent off for his, his assault biggest, on Balotelli? Biggest story of the. Of the of, of the week, um, and uh, of course into one, uh, and just just being close to the you know Italian football and, and the culture over there. Yeah, what can you say? It was a great trip. Excellent. Yeah. Well, mate, welcome back. Just in time for uh, obviously World Cup fever beginning to build. Um, but we're going to focus quickly on um, on the women's game. Obviously, the Matildas opened their Asian Cup account last night with you'd probably say a, a pretty comfortable two 0 win against Vietnam. Mm. Um, Tom Somali had the luxury of naming what was almost the second string. Mm. Um, they did the job and played some good football. Yeah, I mean, I think Trevor and I, we both saw the game. Um, well, I mean, the Vietnamese sat back in the first half and made it pretty difficult, but I think when it opened up in the second half, um, you know, we really looked like we're totally in control, I thought. Far, far physically stronger. Yeah. And that, that told, didn't it? it? All the 50-50s we were winning. In the air, shoulder bodies, all that, and uh, I think the scoreline probably flattered Vietnam a little bit in the end. Should have mm, probably yeah. had a, a third or a fourth. Yeah. And two big games come out. Games come quick and fa- fast in this. Yeah. Don't there's another game tomorrow and then mm. on Sunday, yeah. and they're, they're going to be the two real tests on against South Korea and China. And the host of the final yeah. game to, yeah. to see if they go through. Yeah. Now, interesting. Was the last the last World Women's World Cup was in China as well? Yeah, so they yeah. had the World fact, Cup and the Asian Cup. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think I was asking Tommy Samani about this, and I think it's basically because they can afford to host a World Cup. Um, it's a lot well, easier. No well, yeah, and also... The crowds weren't really, I mean, there was well, hardly anyone yeah. there, was there? It was strange. Yeah. It was a weird way to watch the game, wasn't it, the, the ABC coverage? Because obviously, you know, the commentary was coming from clearly from Australia, yeah. wasn't it, and the way the screen was cut off, and, yeah, it was a, it was a bizarre experience. Yeah, but it's good to see a couple of A-League boys in the commentary. Uh, it's my personal assistant, Emma Keane. It was just for dropping the people off my that obviously can't see this. <laughs> Trevor has just been handed a coffee that Emma has gone out and got him. And she's just mimed then, a word that rhymes with uh, yeah. Good she's just luck. put up the she's universal running. sign for one nil. 
Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to, back yeah. to the women's football. So we'll we'll see the big guns come back in on Friday. You would have thought Heather yeah, Gary, up, so. Sarah Walsh, you know, um, um, Colin McCollum, Colin McCollum. I think. Yeah. Um, um, anyone catch your eye last night that, that has probably made a you know taken their chance to to stake a claim? Look, I, I'm a big fan of Sam Kerr. When she came on, mm, you can yeah, just yeah. see that this kid is. I was saying last year when I saw her for the first time outstanding talent yep. and you can just see it uh, she's only 16 or 17 yes. what a star she can be um, I thought Shepard was solid at the back um, I thought Lena Camus was good up front worked really hard yeah it's um, not afraid to get ahead on it either which, no, no it's always a good option you yeah. know, if you've got someone in there that is strong in the air yeah. um, I thought Ledbrook had a good game as well I thought she played well yeah. but, um, and hopefully Kate Gill our columnist Yes, Kate Gill. Yes, exactly. Yes, so uh, we wish the girls luck for the rest of the campaign. And obviously this doubles as World Cup qualification, so we need a, a top three berth to uh, to mm. secure qualification for the World Cup. Um, I know following on from your uh, from your Italian adventure, obviously the season finished uh, both in Spain and in Italy at the weekend. It turned out as predictable as the English Premier League uh, with Inter and Barcelona both winning and therefore claiming the championship. Um, Barcelona has certainly not um, rested on their laurels, though. They've already gone out and secured David Villa, and uh, if the press is to be believed, uh, we'll be looking to tie up Fabregas um, by the end of the season. So I guess, what are the repercussions of that, Aido, in your view, both for Barcelona and for Arsenal? Yeah, I think Fabregas has got to look at his career, and he's, he wants to win things. He's like any footballer. and, and I mean, is Arsenal going to win something in the next few years? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think he's probably pretty ambitious at his age. Was he 22, 23 now? Yeah, he's still young. Still young. So it, there's, there's a lot of clubs that you could go to that wouldn't be as good as Barcelona. So, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Trev, you know, okay, in all likelihood, they're probably going to get, what, 35 million euros for him, 28, mm. 30 million pounds. I guess. The money is irrelevant if you can't go and buy a player that replaces that player, you know. And mm. so, who who would Arsenal look at to replace Fabregas? Who's going to be available for that sort of money? Mm, I, I think they need a bit of muscle back in their midfield, don't they? They need someone closer, probably to, to Patrick Vieira, and possibly push Nasri forward. Because when Nasri played that Fabregas role, he was brilliant last season. So I think he's got the potential to to flourish in that if they can get someone behind him who's just going to batter everyone and not let them pass. In terms of Fabregas going to Barcelona, he's got to be the most Barcelona player, not playing yeah. at Barcelona. Product of the youth academy, and then he, he plays his football like you know the rest of them, and he'll just fit into that team. It'd be interesting to see how he fits into that team because they've already got probably two Fabregas type players that yeah. arguably are better than Fabregas. Yeah. Well, he can't yeah. stop them against the Spanish Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah, yeah, yeah as Joe said, who, who are ahead of him in the international pecking yeah. order. So, do we see Guardiola finding room for all three, or is it going to be a consistent sort of? Two out of three rotation. Well, isn't that the same with Thierry Henry? When you know they built a side around Thierry at Arsenal, and they've effectively built a side around Fabregas as well. So, you know, he had the same problem. He went to Barcelona, and he wasn't the main man there. He was just one of a number of top quality strikers. So yeah. that will be a big challenge. And also, Villa um, being brought in almost certainly signals the end for Henry. Rumours have been going to the MLS. Can't you know um, struggling to get on the bench, isn't he? But you'd argue, I mean, with, particularly with someone with the personality of Ibrahimovic, who certainly likes being top dog. Um, you know, how is he going to react to Barcelona within hours of the season finishing, going and spending, you know, big money on bringing another striker? Is that a sort of indictment on 
his first season? I'd get I'd get rid of him. I'd get you know I've, I've said a few times I don't rate him and I don't even like him as as part of teams and I, I thought actually Barcelona might go out of their way to get Torres because I thought Torres would is almost a classy version of Ibrahimovic and that's what I thought they might get but David Villa that says that kind of the big guy and the small guy they're going to play of a front two you know and, and put Messi in behind us whereas before they're sort of playing one front guy and then two sort of wider guys so yeah it's really interesting what Barcelona are going to play next season I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't tell you mm. and obviously the silly season's just begun I mean we, we won't go into all of the transfer rumours at the moment but Manchester City are obviously throwing silly money around Real Madrid you know Barcelona have obviously acted quickly I think before Real Madrid have got their act together and decided who their targets are and before but, uh, a World Cup as well yeah, he goes exactly. and wins the Golden exactly. Boot then. exactly so, um, and also the, the subplot to, to Inter's Championship and obviously taking out the double. Ado was was that is that Mourinho's last game? Mm. You'd probably say it is, um, but you never know. Mourinho. There's that much speculation in Italy, uh, but just going back to Ibrahimovic, I don't know whether you guys got that story here about that picture of him and Gerard Piquet. Did you? Did, was that a story here in this country? No. Nope. Uh, big story in Italy of this uh, behind the scenes shot of him and Piquet basically having what appeared to be a fisticuffs in the car park after the uh, after the Roma Cup final. Uh, sorry, not no. After the uh, the Champions League game, oh, and it got and, knocked out. Yeah, yeah, and it looked like PK was going for him, uh, and that was like a massive story in in Italy. PK probably just said, "I'm a better centre forward than you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Managed yeah. to score. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Big game at the weekend in the UK. Obviously, was the FA Cup final. Um, some of the key talking points that we'll just cover off. Obviously, the Wembley pitch again um, is a is another talking point. I mean, when are they going to get that right? Uh, you know, when England are bidding for a World Cup, they've got the Champions League final there next season. They really need to find a solution to that, Trev. I always remember watching the FA Cup final as a kid and stuff, and you'd always be amazed at like this carpet yeah. that they were going to be playing on, and especially as you know the state some of the pitches got on during the season. Yeah, yeah I, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I can't, you know, understand the states getting. In. Some people are saying that they've designed the stadium without the pitch in mind, and it's not getting the proper ventilation that it needs yeah. to, to continue. I thought it was a sunlight issue because the, the height of the, one of the, what, the staff well, is I mean, so high. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is is that to get the money back that they've laid out for it, £700 million or whatever, they're having to, to set it up as a multifunction venue and mm. it's got rock concerts, it's got, as we've seen with Etihad Stadium here yeah. and Sydney Football Stadium, it's difficult to preserve a surface when you've got 50,000 people clod up in through it. You know, watching rock bands, you know, and so England, you know, the English FA have created a rod for their own back there by yeah. creating this huge sort of stadium that football alone can't fund. I just hope Amy Park in Melbourne, which is absolutely pristine at the moment, the surface, I'm told, from one of the players who played on it, the testimonial, I just hope that they don't do the same thing that Etihad did, which is essentially make, try to make their money back through multi-use yeah. and ruin the pitch. Uh, obviously, one of the big talking points that is probably the biggest talking point from the game because Chelsea winning wasn't really uh, wasn't really a big talking point, although it wasn't as as easy as a lot of people predicted. Was the injury to Michael Ballack, which obviously has um, significant implications for Australia, um, given their opening game against Germany. He's been ruled out of the World Cup after, you know, what it has to be said was a, was a, an obviously premeditated, pretty bad challenge. Um, Ada, he's agent is not ruled out legal proceedings I mean what's your take on that well firstly I mean you, you never doesn't matter who it is you never celebrate a player missing a World Cup particularly at his age um, yeah I thought it was a terrible tackle um, 
and uh, it should have been dealt with a little bit more severely, I think. Is it, I mean, it was a straight red for me, no yeah. doubt about yeah, it. I, I, th- I, I, I think used... the only people that didn't see the intent on his face from 10 yards away was, were the officials. Yeah. I mean, even Portsmouth yeah. fans would put their hand yeah. on their heart mm. and say that that should have been a red card. And I think in any game during the season that would have been a red card, but I just think in cup finals there's always that little bit of pullback from the referees. Yeah, and it, there's also, Trevor, an interesting sort of subplot there because he plays for Ghana, who yeah. are also in Germany's group, but his half-brother plays for Germany. Well, he's German-born, yeah. isn't he, Bert? Yeah. I think, yeah, and yeah. elected to play for Ghana. So, yeah, that's a strange... Uh, sidebar to it. But yeah, it's interesting the, the coverage that that Balak injury got in Australia. You know, things like Sunrise were covering it and it went mainstream news and I, some of it I didn't particularly like because like you say, you don't really want to no. celebrate a player. No. Especially a player as good as Balak. I'd like to see him at a World Cup, even if it meant taking... I, I want us group. to play the best German team possible. Yeah. You know, and I want us to get something out really? of that game. Really? Yeah, no, seriously. You too. No, really. <laughs> All right. Didn't part of you look at it and go... A small part. A very a small, small part, part, but yeah, it was a very on. small part. The vast majority of me was, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, the, the final part of that game was obviously Frank Lampard warming up for the World Cup by missing a penalty. He's so rare he misses. I mean, to he's miss got, the target 10 out of 11, well. I think. And then he goes and slices it wide. Like, it's, if that's not an omen, yeah. what's to follow? Yeah, the, the only thing worth <laughs> laughing about know. was um, our colleague Macker at work had him to score at any time and he really? burst him away. Yeah. <laughs> Um, David James, good performance. Obviously, had a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. I like his wry smile at one point when he'd hit the post. Crossbar and post saved him five Why times. Why is it always described as wry? It's always, mm. it's always a wry smile, isn't it? I can't think of another one. Do we think that's you know, made him put him at the head of the queue for England's goalkeeping spot, which there's a lot of debate about? I, I, I think, personally, and having seen Green play a lot this season as a West Ham fan, I think he's. Green's probably a better keeper, but James is far more experienced. So perhaps in a World Cup environment, I'd, I might give it mm. might give it to James. It always worries me going into a World Cup when your two arguably your two first choice keepers have both been relegated. Mm. Yeah, I mean if it we was, didn't get relegated, well, not far off. <laughs> <laughs> if it was me, I'd, I'd, I must admit I'd be close to um, giving Joe Hart a try. Well, I mean, it's interesting because we've got Schwartz is virtually the same age as David James, you know, and we're going to play him. So. Yeah. But then again, we don't have competition for Schwartz, so uh, no. I'd still stick with James. I think he's in form right now, and you need form keepers. Okay, all right. That's enough for the first segment. We'll be back in part two to look at all the news from our website, au.442.com. Join us after the break. The countdown to the 2010 World Cup has begun, so now's the time to start showing support for your team. Kit yourself out in all the latest Socceroos gear from Rebel Sport and get ready for the action to begin. We've got men's and kids away jerseys, shorts, jackets, scarves and wristbands. Socceroos aren't your team? Rebel Sport's got you covered. We've got gear from all your favourite international soccer teams, including England, Italy, Brazil and a stack more. Get into Rebel Sport today or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and show your pride on the pitch this season. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. And welcome back to 442 Insider. In part two, we're going to look at some of the, the main news that's been making headlines this week on our website, au.442.com. Uh, A-League, fixtures were released, nice and early as always. Um, maybe got a bit lost in the World Cup build-up, but there were certainly some uh, 
some interesting reaction to that and some interesting draws. Obviously, it's always going to be difficult when you've got um, odd number of teams. You've got one team in the bar. You're playing each other three times. The draw is never going to have the symmetry, the home and away symmetry that, that something like the English Premier League would have. But Ado, certainly uh, Branco had a few things to say about um, how Newcastle's fixtures have come. I think they play... Is it they play? Is it Queensland they play? Yeah, they have a strange. Times? Is it they have a strange opening um, sort of? I guess first round of the of the league. Uh, I think they have a bye and then they have some away games. So they have no real traction at home. Um, and I think that Newcastle tend to sort of get the rough end of the stick from the FFA for whatever reason in various issues. Then again, a lot of the other clubs are very happy. So. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where you can never please everyone. Yeah, I mean, he said they, they faced Brisbane three times by round 14 um, and then wouldn't play them again until the finals. And as Branker said, you know, is what happens if you hit them in a good run of form, but then the second half of the season they, they tail off or, you know, and other yeah. teams get the benefit of that. Yeah. I suppose that's And true. also Fury, they've got, I think, three of last year's finalists in the opening five or six rounds. So, you know, not only do they have the horror season of... Uh, you know, having basically no coach and 11 players, um, they've got a really tough start to the year as well. Um, Melbourne Heart will kick off um, A League season six. Yeah, A League season yeah. six at home to the Mariners. Um, obviously, the the big tie of that round will be the the grand final rematch at this SFS between Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory. Um, first weekend bye goes to Wellington Phoenix. Um, and other games that round, Adelaide versus Newcastle, Perth versus North Queensland, um, and Gold Coast versus Brisbane mm. with the uh, with the derby there. On the North Queensland signings, obviously there, there seems to be an announcement imminent with the coach. Ado, have you got any inside scoops? Yeah, scoop well, on look, that? you know, it's going to be to... Like someone from overseas. Yeah, definitely yeah. overseas. Um, UEFA Pro licensed coach uh, Hanberg has been involved in the in the appointment of or the selection panel. So they're going to go for a, a proper coach, you know, a really good coach. Um, the problem is, is that he'll only have he's roughly... got no one to coach. No, no, exactly. He's got no one to coach. He's in Townsville. Um, then again, Archie did say it's pretty nice weather up there. And when I rang him, it was uh, absolutely sheeting down here in Sydney, freezing cold. So, um, yeah, they've got roughly 11 players, no coach, um, and they don't really have an infrastructure in place. So it's going to be another long year, you'd think. Yeah. Okay. Um, staying with the A-League, another big week um, for Melbourne Hearts, announcing two more signatures, uh, Michael Beecham and now Josip Skoko, who's returning as their Australian marquee. Mm. Um, still only 34, I was quite sorry about that. It's I, been away for so long, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but certainly he's had a fantastic career, 350 top-flight matches across four countries, um, 50 games in the Premiership with Wigan, uh, he's won Belgian championships. He's the only Aussie to score a hat-trick in European football. And um, once led out his side um, to face Real Madrid, Zidane's Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. So he comes back with a wealth of experience. Aido, uh, no, you obviously know a lot about Josip Skoko. Yeah, Good addition. Um, excellent addition. He was a pretty, uh, no surprise that he signed. I, I'm just a, a huge fan of the, the team they're putting together. And it just, mm-hmm. for me, it underlines the importance of getting a really top quality coach. And in, in uh, Van Ship, they've got a top quality coach. And when you've got that sort of coach, it attracts good players. And look at the squad they've got. You know? I need to mention the words salary cap and Melbourne in the same <laughs> sentence. But he's starting to look at it like, you know, Skoko, okay, he's, uh, he's outside okay. of that as the marquee. But Beecham, Colosimo, Aloisi, Bolton, Thompson, 
Heffernan, you know, Sarkis. That's a decent raft of local talent there, all underneath the salary cap. So um, they've still got another six berths to find. Ado, you spent a fair bit of time mm. down there. The one thing they haven't announced yet is the marquee. Mm. Um, they I'm have not, been said that they are looking for marquees. Right? Well, I mean, Scott Mann has told me that you know marquees on the radar, but it's certainly not a, a fait accompli that they're going to sign one. It's it's not their focus. Um, the focus is getting a really top quality squad, and that's what they're doing. Um, you know, as for those players you just mentioned, I mean, you know, Aloisi's only on 120k, so you know, or is he? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, he's, look, some of those players aren't on that big of money. I mean, when you look at it, it's the, the salary cap's growing each year. So, it's um, 120 grand this year, but he's going to earn 1.5 million <laughs> as a youth team coach next season. Yeah. Um, I think they had he's, to do this, though, didn't they, Hart? Because it's different to a lot of start-up teams. Normally, A-League sides have started up in their own area and they've got a captive audience. You know, they're trying to muscle away some victory fans, aren't they? And, yeah. you know, they Actually, had to come I, I don't think they team. are. I, really? I don't think they're trying to... I think they're trying to, to... I think the line about purists was a very interesting one. The it, old soccer fans. Isn't yeah, it? You, know, the, you know, the so-called new football and old football. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting line, particularly with Yosef Skocko being, uh, I think, a former North Geelong slash Melbourne Knights sort of connection. Yeah. Um, you, you know a lot of the clubs down there, you know, and South Melbourne. Like, I mean, if... Those fans didn't follow the A League for Melbourne Victory. Do we really think they're going to desert their state league clubs and follow Melbourne Heart? Well, I don't think it's. I don't. You know, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think you can follow an A League team in summer. Um, and these are. But a lot I guess of, if they didn't do that for Victory, what? Why are they going to? Well, do I think that, that's exactly right. I think this is this purists line that keeps coming out from from uh, Melbourne Heart that they're. They're a club that's kind of like a multicultural kind of club. And it's kind of a code for saying, look, we want everyone in, not just the new fans from the A-League. Yeah. Uh, and in Melbourne, there are, they believe, there are quite a few fans who don't follow the A-League, yeah. who just follow State League clubs. And Van Schip, his son actually plays in the State League now down there. Not many people know that. And oh, he's, okay. he's been to games. They're getting out. I know that they're getting out. Who's he out. playing for? Uh, oh, it might be Richmond, but right. don't uh, quote me on that. But, Too late. Um, He's just gone out of the pocket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, um, it, it was Richmond. I'm quite, it might be Richmond or Hume. I'm, look, and, and also, somebody tell me. But look, um, they are definitely uh, targeting fans that you, you wouldn't normally target for yeah. elite clubs. And also, um, it gives us the first sort of true one city, you know, city derby. Um, that it happens yeah. on October the second Saturday. Well, night. That's what they wanted. They that. wanted to finish the AFL. They wanted that, yeah, out, the get way, that out the way, and then and they, they wanted the full focus, and I believe they're going to get that. That will be a cracker. Mm. I cannot wait. I'll be down there for that. Yep. Yeah. Same. Hello, high Already water. got the flights. Great. Okay. Yep. Well, so well, there'll be a lot, be, lot um, of interest in that game. Yeah. I think. And I'm look. I think Melbourne Heart are doing everything right at the moment, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, I can't see anything wrong at the moment. But let's just see who else they sign. I also get the impression from looking at some of the the, the fan forums down there that there are quite a lot of fans who will go to both games. They'll just go and watch a game every week, you know, yeah. and because uh, they, they've just got that appetite They're football to support fans, aren't football they? there. So, yeah. uh, so that's really encouraging. Um, yeah. At a great stadium over, as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, and over time, I think each club will get its own identity, and 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 you know, sort of that rivalry will yeah. build. You and know. best kit in the league, arguably, I would say. Yeah, I'd say so, and the away kit, definitely, which I'm not allowed apparently to talk about, but I've seen it, and it is fantastic. Oof. There we go. <laughs> uh, one other news story that um, that came out this week was obviously Tim Cahill. The Socceroos are back in town for the game, build up for the game on Monday, and going into camp for the World Cup. Um, Tim has said to us that he's uh, he's relishing the extra responsibility 
um, that comes with uh, being Australia's sort of go-to man, number one man. Obviously, it's ironic considering that he started the last World Cup on the bench. You know, a lot of people forget that, that he was a substitute in that first game. Um, whether that was one of Gus's legendary uh, sort of motivational tactics, it certainly worked. But there's no doubt about it now. He's probably superseded Harry Kuehl as, as Australia's most important player, you'd say. Yeah, 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 completely. And, you know, he signed a new contract to Everton, isn't he? So he's, he's got his future secure ahead going into the World Cup. I can understand why they did that in case he has a cracker. Yeah. And, it's um, difficult not to like Tim Cahill, isn't it? You yeah, know, he, he's when you think about good the, the, the general makeup of an English Premier League player and their agent and their, their, you know, their entourage, that he's gone and signed a four-year deal with Everton before the World Cup, I think says a lot about him as a person. That, you know, other people would have been advised, don't sign anything until after the World Cup. It's not you know, limiting your options, but if you have a stellar World Cup, you could get a... Uh, yeah. yeah. Real he's Madrid. Got, not interested in that. Yeah. You know, I love Everton, love the club, and, and it just says a lot about him. Uh, and obviously Everton coming down here, Ado, for, yeah. for three warm-up games. That's right. I just spoke to the agent uh, doing the tour and uh, just going to have a chat to him today. Uh, possibly the Boca, Blackburn and uh, Glasgow Rangers tour as well. I've had a few so, people talk to me about Boca. Very interested in yeah. him coming. I think people... That'll get a good We don't good often turnout. get South American teams, nope. so that'll be fantastic. Raquel May, that'll be great to see. Yes, uh, but just going back to Tim, you know, he arrives back, you know, on Sunday night or whatever it was, and he's immediately doing his charity work. I mean, he is just a, a dynamo. Um, and speaking to his roommate at the last World Cup, Luke Wilkshire, he was just telling me how devastated he was. He was told on the on game day mm. by Gus, but it was a masterstroke, wasn't it? Yeah. If there's one player that we can't afford to be injured, it's Timmy. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, one of the weirdest stories that came out was um, so typical of England and their bidding for There's the World one Cup. Nation their, that could their ability to shoot themselves in the foot knows no bounds. Lord Treesman, um, the story that the, the, the Mail on Sunday broke on the weekend, um, you can talk about the morals of how the story was obtained, you know, surreptitious recording of a conversation that he thought was private. But the but the story that came out, Trev, I mean, it's just so far out of left field. It's ridiculous. For people that don't know, it, he's been caught saying that, that he believes that or there's evidence to support that the Spanish FA have done a deal with the Russian FA for the Russian FA to bribe officials to make, help Spain win the World Cup in return for Spain supporting Russia's bid for the 2018 World Cup. There doesn't appear to be a shred of evidence. Yeah, Not even on internet crackpot forums. Andrew Jennings hasn't even <laughs> talked about this. Yeah, Lord Trees has gone, and he's gone because of it. You know. So I guess, Trev, how much of a, a harm is this to England's World Cup bid? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive blow. And I think we need to remember... We're not far away from finding out who's going to host. Like you know, it's December, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, this isn't something that perhaps in a year or eighteen months' time you could sweep under the carpet. You know, the voting's happening very, very soon. It's just another thing to alienate voters. The English bid—they've got a reputation for for being arrogant about you know getting the bid, and that's why a lot of people aren't going to support them. And even though England are such short price favourites to land that World Cup, you know, they are definitely the nation to cock it up if anyone was going to. Yeah. And then move quickly, to their credit, he's gone. Um, and I think that was a very smart move because they very much sort of ring-fenced it as no one knows where this has come from. This guy's been an idiot. He's gone because of it. Let's try and resume the normal service. But, Ado, is it, is it that easy? You know, the, the no. workings of no. FIFA and the politics of it? And no, I think Trevor, spot on, it's just another 
it's just another indication of how the English can really lose focus. I mean, it's just losing focus. Mm. Um, and the Australians must be just sitting back quietly and just very quietly just thinking, yep, just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, did books well in last week. I was just about uh, to say uh, that. And England's was the biggest. A few <laughs> funny <laughs> things. About, Australia's was a thousand pages smaller than England's. Yeah. I don't know if they used really big font or loads of pictures. Yeah, it's 700 odd pages and England's was 1,700 pages. It's I, like, I think, does that say something? What does it uh, say? Well, it's just that maybe the English have bigger writing. I don't know, um, but the, the Dutch easily done the best, didn't they? They, um, was it, uh, Cruyff? Didn't, didn't bother handing it well, in. It was a pamphlet, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was, uh, Cruyff and, uh, Hullet and stuff, and they showed up, they cycled there through the streets of Zurich on these sort of strange women's painted bikes <laughs> and handed the, uh, the bid book over. It's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. bikes in Holland. Well, yeah. 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 That's why they don't like the Germans. <laughs> the Germans nicked all their bikes in the war and melted them down for ammunition. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. On that bombshell? We've got the Lord Treasury yeah. to the Nazi regime. An interesting sort of angle that I heard on, on another podcast, the one that I, I trust, the, the BBC World Football Phoning, was, was talk of obviously Brazil are significantly behind on the 2014 World Cup preparations. Mm. The work that should have started two or three years ago has not started. The infrastructure is nowhere near being started. And they threw up an interesting sort of rumour, I don't know how much it is, was that FIFA are lining up a plan B for 2014 and it might not be England, it might be the USA. Right. Because mm. it remains in the Americas, it remains on the same time zone, um, it just shifts from South America to North America, and the U.S. bid was, that they put in was was so good and so complete. I all the stadiums are built; they're all there. They had ready. it recently, though, didn't they? Yeah. So it's, well, it's only '94, um, wasn't yeah. it? So. But you know, not beyond the realms of possibility. And would that then almost make Australia a certainty for 2022? Because you'd then argue that USA 2014, Europe 2018. That then removes probably Australia's biggest rival for well, 2022. I, I, I mean, you know, I don't think Brazil are going to give up a World Cup so so easily. Um, but I also think I, I think lot, I they? think FIFA will will because got the Olympics <coughs> two years later. Yeah, as well. yeah. But also FIFA have you know have been publicly have publicly said that you know this World Cup has ended up costing them significantly more than they budgeted for, and I think they will. The Brazil look, World um, Cup. No, no, no. South oh, Africa. Yeah. That they've had to chip in and help, and yeah. you know, and I think a, another drain on the FIFA finances for another World Cup, I think, um, well, might look at seriously. We heard all these things in the lead up to South Africa. We, all, mm. a lot of people, were saying it was going to be in Germany again because South Africa were way off and never going to do it and stuff. So, I don't know. It might just be a, a regular rumor that comes around when there's more yeah, developing sure nations trying to get a World Cup together. Uh, yeah, and also. Um, they have, they've got the Olympics two years later, so you'd think they'd have the infrastructure and, and the whole hope, si yeah. situation in, in hand. You know, so they're just putting it off, you know, when you've got a deadline yeah, ages yeah, away yeah. and you're just like, oh, just the they're on the beach yeah. in Kosovo. Yeah. It's just that you can't produce a football stadium by working late one night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit different to magazines. All right, that's it for section two. We've uh, run over a little bit. We apologise for that. We're going to take a quick break before we come back and we focus on the World Cup where we're going to preview Group E and we're back with Holland. So join us after the break. 442's Ultimate World Cup Pack is on sale now. And it's our biggest and best value pack yet with two magazines including a complete guide to the World Cup. 
giant wall chart, Socceroos DVD, official World Cup Panini sticker book, plus a pack of stickers to start your collection. It's all you need to warm up for the World Cup. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back to part three of this week's 442 World Cup Insider Podcast, or it becomes the World Cup Insider Podcast now. As we move on our group-by-group preview, we're on to Group E, which is a group containing Holland, Denmark, Japan and Cameroon. Lads, thoughts on this group? Uh, any chance of the Dutch not making it out of this group? They're obviously firm favourites. I don't think so, but it's a very strong group. It's it's similar to Australian group in some ways. We're saying about it's quite even in terms of you know the teams playing each other. Um, I think Holland and Denmark are very strong favourites to go through. I think Japan are, are probably likely to to finish last. But I suppose the the second game, the Japan versus Cameroon is probably the pivotal game yeah. for those two because I think if, if one of them loses that I can't see them recovering against either Holland or Denmark and Denmark qualified so strongly and I think they're going to be uh, a tight battle for Holland for, for the top two well, that's but the opening game Holland-Denmark so that's that could have a massive uh, a, you know bearing on how this group plays out I and mean, obviously yeah. Holland didn't drop a point in qualifying 100% record mm. they will be hugely supported in South Africa Um a yeah, big Dutch heritage in South exactly, Africa. Exactly, yeah. I think. Um, so that that opening game of theirs, which which I'd say I'm going to be at, uh, <laughs> Holland versus Denmark at Soccer City in Johannesburg will be, a, a, I think, an awesome event with uh, with a sea of orange there. Um, do you see any surprises, Ada, in that? I I actually don't think it's that even. I think I, I, I can't see Japan winning a game at this in this group. I just can't see it. Um, in, a, in, a con- in the conditions that they're playing in, which is winter, they're coming yeah. from summer. Um, and this current Japanese side, so it's a little bit uh, down on AFC, but I can't see them winning a game. So it'll be between Denmark and Holland, and Cameroon will be the, the deciding factor. I guess Cameroon as well. You know, they're, they, they're a bit hit and miss. You know, they're, they're one of those sides that that on paper you think would be a threat, but they they just haven't really seemed to get it together. Um, you know, probably for the last, you'd probably say. Two World Cups, mm. you know, it's a lot. You know, it's, we still think of Cameroon from Italia '90, but that's that's 20 years ago now. I, I heard yeah. Roger Villa, Miller might be coming back for this one as well. Really? Actually, yeah, 62. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was that in Italia '90, wasn't to actually he? Actually, help him out of his chair to do a little jig at the corner flag. But you know, you look at the players. Obviously, Etu up front. You know, Song, um, coached by Paul Le Guin, who obviously didn't have the best of times at, at Rangers, but mm. but certainly has, has got credentials as a coach. Mm. Um, and he's really, he's really taken. I mean, they were really struggling at one point. Yeah, they, uh, they um, the coach in the mid uh, mid qualification. They lost and drew their first game, which was then when they then when they went to uh, to Le Guin, and he obviously turned it around and they qualified. But um, Ado, do you think that? Do you think if they can get it together, obviously they're going to be well supported there as well. Um, yeah. Do you think they've got the chance to to surprise Holland or Denmark? This whole thing about the African nations having a little bit of an advantage playing in South Africa, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think when you play a side like Denmark and, and Holland, it's going to be really difficult for them. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're playing in South Africa. I, I don't think, I don't know how you guys feel, I just don't feel it's going to be a huge factor. Mm, I don't know. It's difficult to say. One thing I would say about Cameron, I'm not sure if either of you have got the same. They're my African team. Have you got an African team that you'd go for above all the rest of them? 
Um, it's got to be Togo. Uh, it's got to be Togo. The reason I say Cameron is because of his hair. I'd have probably said Ghana. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Mm. I just like, for that, I like, I just like the way they play. It's like, always good to have a backup African team to support in case yeah. they're... And they are arguably the biggest team. I mean, they came here for the Olympics in 2000, mm. and they, they actually won it. Um, and they were the biggest, physically the biggest team mm. I've ever seen. Huge. Okay, let, let's look beyond this group for Holland. Um, are they a chance to, to win the whole thing? Every four years, there'll be someone in the <laughs> office who will come up to you and tell you to bet on Holland. Yeah. Great odds on Holland. Great. <laughs> and every four years... They play brilliantly. All and you look at the squad and you go, yeah, hmm. yeah, they're right. Well, you'd, yeah, I mean, yeah. you'd probably say that they're the best nation never to win the World Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? Like, there's only seven countries that have won it. You'd probably say of all the footballing nations around the world, Holland mm. is the one that hasn't won the World Cup yep. yet that probably deserves to. And they'll smash someone en route. They'll have a performance on the way in the groups or the round of 16 and they'll hammer someone 4-0 and everyone will go, well, this is it. And the next round, they'll go out 1-0 to Mexico or something like that. I mean, let, let's look mm. at their team. I mean, certainly in the in the, in the midfield and attacking, I know, you know, they're, they're, they're right up there. When you look at, you know, De Jong, Van Bommel, Kite, Schneider, mm. Robin, Van Persie, oh. Huntelaar, Van der Vaart, you know, they that is a lot, but for me, I, I'm a bit concerned by their defence. They don't, yeah. you know, they, they don't really seem well, yeah. to have the defensive. Uh, he's knocking on a bit now. He was yeah. 35, 36. Yeah. He's the West Brom. He used to play at. Yeah. Uh, Van Bronckhurst is still playing. Um, he's mid 30s now. Um, I thought he'd retired. No, still in there. Um, they've got a they got a young fullback I think who's Vanderville. Uh, Vanderville, yeah, yeah he, my think, ex. Yeah, I think he could really um, show himself. But I think uh, John Van Skip was telling me that he was concerned about the centre of their defence. Yeah. He wasn't concerned about any part of the field except there. So um, it could be a, a matter of them scoring more goals and mm. the opposition in going through. But I'd love to see them win it. Really would. I think they'd be a great team to win it. They deserve it after all of these years. Will they win it? Will they have the benefit, Trev, of um, a striker coming in that that has had most of the season off in Van Persie? Van, yeah. And he, he looked started excellent. the season on fire, came back. Obviously, had a bad, in, bad ankle injury, came back. Um, with so many players going into the World Cup, having played fifty and sixty games, mm. could that be decisive? You know, they, they, they've got a centre forward that's full of running, hasn't you know hasn't played much of the season. He slipped back into the Arsenal team and started performing brilliantly straight away. You know, when he came on a sub against Tottenham at the end of the season, he didn't look like someone who was going to take a while to get back up to, to full match fitness. So, yeah, in that sense, I do think that um, he's going to be important for them. What I would say about that, that Dutch team, it's got a, ver- a lot of very similar players, you know, in terms of you know the, these sort of tricky wingers, technically gifted wingers that we associate with but, Holland, yeah. but uh, if they had you know not saying Van Nistelrooy himself, but a Van Nistelrooy type player that they could sort of introduce in, if they needed a goal along with the weaknesses in defence. But I, I don't. I mean, people saying is it a good bet to set back uh, a World Cup winner that hasn't won it before is one of the odds that are going around. So yeah. I.e. I, basically, you know, Holland or Spain, Ivory Coast. If you want to get really optimistic, um, but I think Holland. You know the way they qualified. I believe they won every single game. Was it during yeah. World Cup qualification? Yeah. But yeah, storm three, yeah. they've done that before. They've qualified that strongly yeah. before and not done it when they get there. So it, it, a bit like how you feel about Spain, even with the set of players they've got, experience of winning the competition before just makes you feel a little bit more confident. I mean, they had a tiny bit of German mentality about them. The Dutch, they would have won a World Cup by now. And yeah. Denmark as well. You know, you look you look down the names in the in probably the Denmark starting eleven. You know, Sorensen, Agger. 
Romadal, Paulson, yeah. Jensen, Larson, Bentner. Bentner's, yeah. a, Bentner's a different player for Denmark, he though. He's he like a different human being when, he, when he's playing for them. So I think he might surprise a few people at the World Cup. I think they, they nickname them FC Stability, don't they? It's just like yeah. the same coach for like the last... which is, Mark, Morton Olsen. Yeah, for yeah. Like, no, 10, 12 years, I guess. Well, I mean, the talk that we've got is, you know, is that, the, that Denmark consider this to be their best team since the European Championship winning team because of that very reason. They know each other inside out. They, they play well. They qualify really strongly. Um, you know, in a tough group with Hungary, Portugal mm. and Sweden. You know, so um, you'd probably say that... that those are the two that are going to go through, and, and for the reasons that we've said, Japan and probably Cameroon will be the teams that miss out. And Denmark have got the Hansford factor. They have, yes. Ooh. Paul will be there uh, yes. supporting the the nation of his wife, which is <laughs> Denmark. Okay, that's all for uh, our Group E preview. Um, we'll pick up on Group F, F next week. We're going to take a short break before we come back for the final segment just to uh, preview some of the big games of this weekend. After the, break. the countdown to the 2010 World Cup has begun, so now's the time to start showing support for your team. Kick yourself out in all the latest Socceroos gear from Rebel Sport and get ready for the action to begin. We've got men's and kids away jerseys, shorts, jackets, scarves and wristbands. Socceroos aren't your team? Rebel Sport's got you covered. We've got gear from all your favourite international soccer teams including England, Italy, Brazil and a stack more. Get into Rebel Sport today or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and show your pride on the pitch this season. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to preview uh, in our final section the big games coming up this weekend. We're going to start, start with the Scottish Highland Football League and Rose <laughs> versus Fraserburgh. Yes. Big game. Grudge match. I, thought, yeah. I just cut and pasted all the fixtures from this weekend and the guys thought that we were actually going to talk about um, every fixture on here, which included two fixtures in the Highland Football League, Wick Academy versus Four Martin United. But we're not. We're going to focus on the Champions League final. Um, from the Bernabeu, uh, early hours of Sunday morning our time, uh, new move from UEFA to move the final um, to Saturday evening in, in Europe. Which S- I think suits us, doesn't it? Suits us, great. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Or rather a Sunday morning than a Thursday morning. Um, Bayern, Inter, predictions, Trev? Ooh, um, not exactly going out on a limb, but it's going to be a tight game. <laughs> There's a good chance there'll be either one or no goals. Yeah. Um, Bayern are obviously missing Ribery, so they're going to rely on Robin heavily for all their sort of uh, creativity, and he is good enough to win games on his own. Um, another, I suppose, interesting side of this is that when Manu won the treble in '99, I think they were the first European team to do that cup league in treble. Barcelona did it for Spain last year, and this year, definitely for Germany or Both Inter, teams have uh, uh, done the domestic yeah. double, yeah. Are on for their treble, and it is going to be Mourinho's last game. You know, I'm fairly sure he's going to end up at Real Madrid next season. Um, and if I was going to go out on a prediction, I think I'd say 1-0 into Milan, but extra time and penalties wouldn't be a surprise. Mm. A classic Mourinho scoreline to finish his career at Inter, yeah. 1-0. Yeah. I know, will, will Jose even leave? Do you think he'll actually turn up with his suitcase and say, right, this is I'm it, staying. I'm staying? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, very, it's very Real Madrid, isn't it? You know, yeah. it is, I, was, I think I was reading something recently that they've had somewhere in the region of, I think it's nine or ten Ballon d'Or winners play for Real Madrid. And none of them won it playing for Real Madrid. Real Madrid went and bought them as when they won the Ballon d'Or. Not even Zidane. No, he won <laughs> it before. So it's like, 
you know, and so that's very much it. Is like, right, if we can't be the best, we'll go and buy the best. And so it, it almost, it's, it'd be a great PR move to, to say, you know, because as Sid Lowe, I think it was on The Guardian, said, the way Real Madrid think about things would be they would be buying the European Cup. Like bringing Mourinho to the Bernabeu would be saying, we've gone, you know, we've effectively got the European Cup now because we've got the coach that won it. Um, but I think they're also, they will have a coach that can win it. Yes, yeah. I mean, Mourinho, you know, do we think he's the right man for Real Madrid? Because, you know, the, the, the Real Madrid fans weren't too keen on Capello, even though he was successful because of the, the, the nature of the football he played. And Mourinho is certainly a coach from that ilk. Do we think that, how much patience do we think the Real Madrid fans would have with him as, as coach? I think he's got the record. I think he knows what he's, he's at the peak of his career. Um, everything he said in Italy when I was there suggested to me that he was leaving. It wasn't stated, but you could tell. He was sort of saying, you know, this is like a, a, a you know, a, a farewell lap. Um, and I think Inter treble a farewell. Yeah, it's not bad, yeah, it? yeah. And, and the way into play, I think it's going to be very tight. I think I, I don't think it's going to be a very entertaining game. I think no. it's going to be really tight. There'll be one goal in it. I think I agree. I think Inter can win it. But you, who knows? You know. But I think it's going to be. It's not going to be a particularly entertaining game. That's okay. For, well. For sure. Get, get yourselves out and back three or draw. Yeah. Um, playoff. This might be an interesting game. Though. Playoffs. Now, um, Blackpool versus Cardiff. Uh, so we will have a new Premier League team next season, whoever wins this. Uh, neither team having figured in the Premier League previously. Uh, Blackpool is probably the sort of romantic pick, um, having sort of been a late entry into playoff positions. Probably one of the most charismatic and uh, maverick bosses in Ian Holloway. Love him. Always good for a quote. Um, can they do it? Can they go to Wembley and win? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think playoffs is a lot to do with the on-form team. There's no doubt that Blackpool are that. The run that they went on to make it um, and the, the run that they've had to maintain to go through and meet Cardiff um, certainly suggests that they've, they've got what it takes to how, how they do how they fare if they do get promoted um, probably a different story you say about the romantic choice I definitely want Blackpool to yeah. get promoted ahead of Card- Cardiff I think every journalist yeah. <laughs> wants, wants yeah. Blackpool to get up and a lot of um, a lot of the police in England as well because Cardiff fans have, have got a yeah. bit of a reputation and, yeah. and that will probably cause a few and it would problems. also make one of the better away days for the Premier League oh, Blackpool, yeah. Blackpool away on a Saturday night would be good fun there's a, there's a great little Aussie connection with Blackpool as well you heard of the striker Ben Burgess yeah 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 he played here for Northern Spirit up the road uh, about nine years ago under Laurie McKinnon he brought him over here as a youngster um, nobody knew who he was, he became a cult hero, went back to England, and eventually now, doing quite well for himself at Blackpool. So, uh, big up to you, Ben. Always big Ben. Always an though, to get the local connection. Yeah. Um, on the strikers for Blackpool, obviously there was a, there was a subplot to this, which was uh, DJ Campbell, who's, who scored a hat-trick, second-half hat-trick against uh, Nottingham Forest to, to put Blackpool at Wembley, would have been watching the Cardiff-Leicester game praying that Cardiff prevailed because he's actually on loan from Leicester and yeah. had Leicester won he wouldn't have been able to play in Wembley so that's going to be a massive shot in the arm and one, one thing that Holloway has said throughout is that you know, he sends his team out to score goals and they showed that in, in what's traditionally a quite nervy game the, the sort of semi-final they went and scored six goals against a team that finished third yeah. so I don't see him changing that do you, Ada, do you think no. um, do you think unlike the Champions League final we're going to see a, a, a high scoring Oh, look, look like, like probably the Highland Football League as well. We're going to see a lot of guys. Look, I saw Scunthorpe play last season in, in the playoffs, and, you know, these games are great. 
I mean, I love them. This is such a great feeling about them. There's less, the fewer names, but just a great feeling about these games. I think Scunthorpe played last year and uh, in their playoffs. And uh, yeah, I'm going for Blackpool. Yeah, yeah I, I in think a high-scoring game. To, to give you an idea on how hard this game is to call, I sat down to bet on it the other day and decided to leave it alone because I couldn't think what to bet it's on right it. You too. I know, so that it, that's how close. I'll be betting on goals. I think. I think <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go two over two and a half. And how goals, many Blackpool yeah. fans will turn up as well? You know, yeah. be, what a day for them! A great colour as well. well yeah. The other thing that's interesting was that. Um, was that the playoff finals, if I remember correctly, used to run on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday of the bank holiday weekend in the UK at the end of May. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that they're not doing that now because the Wembley pitch wouldn't be able to take three games in three days. So, so the the the, the Premier League playoff game is first, um, presumably, so they get the best pitch. Um, and that is on Saturday afternoon in the UK, three o'clock, so midnight kickoff here. Mm. So if you fancy Perfect. pulling an all-nighter on Saturday, it's the uh, Premier League playoff followed by the Champions League final. And for those Aussie uh, listeners who don't know Blackpool, it's a bit of a party town, isn't it, lads? You've, uh, I don't know what you compare it to. Uh, I'll say the Gold Coast, yeah. but Gold it's a very Coast? poor man's relationship yes. yeah. Gold Coast. It's got a big tower, Blackpool Tower. <laughs> yeah. It's famous for donkey rides on the beach. And, and I screamed to kiss me quick hats. Yeah. Yeah. All right, on Monday, we've, there's, a, there's a big round of international, uh, what you term World Cup warm-up matches. Obviously, the big game here is Australia versus New Zealand uh, at the MCG, which I think we'll all be at. Um, Trev, are we going to see Pim experiment, or are we going to see Pim go out and win the game? Well, there were the comments that Lucas. Or do both. Well, mm, there were the comments that Lucas Neal was was making weren't they, the other week that they're, they're sort of fresh off a plane, and some of them. It, it's more about just getting a bit of fitness and gelling together rather than the actual result. And I'm not sure if Aussie fans are thinking the same there because um, they're not going to want to lose against New Zealand in their farewell game. But yeah, I, I do think he'll he'll mix up a little bit. I think we'll see Carl um, Rukovitsa. You know, yeah. guys like that who are really on the cusp of that 23. I get the impression Pim's the sort of guy that you know. I reckon he's got about 20 in his mind, yeah. and I reckon 21. Something like that, and there's a few players that may or may not make it. So, yeah, I, I, I think he'll mix it up for that game. I know. Do you, you agree with that? I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose this game because psychologically, um, you know, and particularly losing to New Zealand, who you'd argue are going to be the worst team at the World Cup or one of the worst teams at the World Cup. Certainly, in, in most people's eyes, yeah. you know, in your well, if you were to go to Europe and say who are going to be the worst team in the World Cup this year, I'd say ninety nine percent of people would say. Well, it was New interesting Zealand. when I was in Italy; they were talking about New Zealand yeah. in a World Cup preview show, and they were they absolutely wrote yeah. them off. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, speaking to Ricky Herbert just recently for four four two, and uh, he was saying that you know they're not going to be at their peak in this game; they're building towards the World Cup. They've got a couple of sessions in New Zealand before they come over, so they're not going to be. You know they're not going to be 100 percent ready, and he's going to be trying a few new players. Hopefully, we'll see Tommy Smith, a young defender, have a have a few minutes on the park at least. Yeah. Um, but look, I agree with Trevor. I think there's two or three spots that he's going to be looking at. He knows his squad. Apart from that, and he'll give those two or three players a good run and have a good look at them in camp and in the game. So with Harry ruling himself out, do we see Tommy or starting, or at least? Getting a chance, twenty minutes. I don't know. I don't think he's. I don't think he's taking Tommy or or James Holland. I'm, I'm convinced no. that he's. I, I think he's going to look at Nikita. I yeah. Think he'll look at Nikita. Have a good look at him and Nicky Carl. Nikita and Nicky, basically. Uh, Vidasic as well. Right, that, well. That's the battle. I interesting think. theory came out, uh, and as uh, I mean, I, I thought it myself when I was looking at the picture come through last night of the Socceroos squad uh, picture that was taken at the ground last night, and then the portraits and. Uh, if you actually look at the numbers that the players were wearing, 
Uh, and if you assume that that may end up being the squad numbers, as in numbers 1 to 23 are in and numbers 24 to 31 are out, if that's right, the players missing out would be Galekovic, Vidasic, Lowry, North, Holland, Karl, Orr and Rukovica. They're the numbers 24 to 31. And that's possible. That, it could easily that's be the guys that are possible. missing yeah, out. Well, certainly, yeah, there's one or two on that list that I'd definitely say. But and I don't think he's made his mind up yet. I don't think he's definitely got that 23 in his head yet. So th- there is a chance if these okay, guys are Of those possibles, which are the ones that you think are going to, over the next week, justify their place on the plane? Perhaps either Vidasic or Rukovic. I think they I, think, I, I, th- I, s- I sense North won't make it. I think he probably hasn't got enough game time under his belt. But I think Vidasic is a chance especially with Bresciano's ongoing back problems. Yeah. Um, and lack of game time. Yeah, but Rukovica gives us that real pace, or gives us that real pace, pace that we just probably just missing from four years ago. So I think he might go, he might go with Rukovica ahead of or this time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, Very interesting. The really other games on the weekend on Monday, uh, warm-up games, got Argentina versus Canada. Um, mix, uh, England versus <laughs> Mexico, um, so we'll see see the English get a hit out against Mexico, which will be an interesting game to watch. Both World Cup uh, finals teams. Um, they're in a where are they? Doing altitude training, aren't they? In a, in Europe somewhere, rather than taking them early to South Africa, I think. Uh, Capella to Austria. Capella taking them to Austria, where he used to take his Real Madrid team as well. Just to show him what the Euros would have been like. Yeah, exactly. Fight, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Austria is where Swindon went for that uh, tournament. 442 Oh, talking of Swindon. Yes. Congratulations to 442 sponsored Swindon, who have made the League One playoffs, who will play at Wembley, I think, next weekend for a spot in the Championship. So, uh, 442 will be running out at Wembley next weekend. Um, Portugal will play. Cape Verde Islands seems like a testing. Got to get yourself prepared, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> can you name any player from Cape no. Verde? No, Japan, you know South Korea, and South Africa, Bulgaria. Now let's just talk for for the final part. This on the hosts. Um, South Africa have been in what you probably say god awful form for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, the coach, uh, Brazilian coach, in there. He's having a bit of time to work with the squad. Obviously, they've got players that will now be joining up, like of PNR and McCarthy. Um, are they going to be the first hosts not to make it out of the group? Uh, a lot depends on the opening game. Yeah. I yeah. think they've got to get a win from that opening game. And they had a friendly the other day against a nation, I can't remember, but not a very strong nation, and won 3 or 4 nil or something. So they looked okay there. A lot's going to rely on, on Pinar, who's had a great season at Everton. But um, I think they're, they're going to struggle to get out of that group, isn't it? Um, again, we're talking about home support, how big that's yeah. going to be, and they're going to need it to be huge. I, I just sense that if they get something out of that first game, the home support is really... I mean, you saw the, the, the World Cup in 95, we've all seen Invictus, the movie as well. You know, you know what it's like when that, that momentum just kind of pushes the team forward. If they get that, they're a chance. But mm. purely but you've on, also got to have the players on the pitch, just yeah, that exactly. support purely can't on win the, the game itself, on their own. You know? I, I wouldn't rate them to go through, but I just think that if they get a good result in the first game... Yeah. That'll that get might be the thing, but yeah. they won't go too much further. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Um, join us next week when uh, Mr Hansford will be off deadline and back in the hot seat, and we'll continue our build-up to the 2010 World Cup. You've been listening to 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.